for Thursday, November 12th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, earlier this year, federal officials stripped the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of an important job, collecting COVID-19 data from hospitals. I think it's been hard for people to find a clear source of trusted information. And, you know, I I think that's been detrimental to the public. Ping Huang, who covers health for NPR, joins me to discuss what this change has meant for our understanding of the pandemic. That's next. You love free. And at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. In the early days of the pandemic, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention was in charge of collecting data about COVID-19 from hospitals around the country. But the agency was later stripped of that job raising concerns among many in the public health world, says Ping Huang, a health reporter for NPR. She's with me now to discuss that change and how it's played out. Ping, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're here today to talk about kind of how the way the federal government collects coronavirus data from hospitals has changed over time. I want to start by going back to the early days of the pandemic. Hospitals all over the country were collecting data and sending it to the federal government. This was kind of the old system before they made any changes. What did that system look like? So that system was an addition to a system that hospitals had actually been using for many, many years, a lot of them. It's run by the CDC. It's called the National Healthcare Safety Network. And this is a system that's been collecting data on hospital infections and hospitalizations and information from hospitals for many years. So when the pandemic started back in March, they started collecting information from hospitals specific to COVID-19. So, you know, how many of their patients were COVID-19 patients and how many of their ICU beds were taken up by COVID patients. And this was information that they had started collecting um, in order to sort of increase the understanding of, you know, what was happening with COVID in hospitals around the country. What is the value of the federal government knowing kind of the ground truth for hospitals around the country? Hospitalization data is is really important for understanding how the pandemic is going in the country and in specific areas around the country. So, you know, what I've heard is that you triangulate three points of data, the number of cases in an area, the number of hospitalizations, and the number of deaths that are accruing in an area. And that really helps you understand 
a picture of what's happening in a particular hotspot. And out of those three, hospitalization data is actually one of the most important real-time indicators for what's happening because hospitalization data really gives you a sense of who's very sick in a community. And, you know, it's often an early indicator of coming deaths as well. You know, deaths tend to lag infections by a couple of weeks, um, at least. And so, you know, understanding the hospitalization rates on a certain day and whether they're rising or falling in a community really gives you a sense of whether a hotspot is developing, whether it's resolving, and, you know, how a community is doing around the pandemic and COVID-19. So, That was the system kind of in the start of the pandemic. Then over the summer, there was some pretty striking news from the federal government. They were changing how they collected this data and taking that responsibility away from the CDC. So back in mid-July, the Department of Health and Human Services, that's the department that oversees all of the science agencies, you know, the CDC, NIH, FDA, they decided to change the way that they collected this critical hospital data. They told hospitals to stop reporting this information to the CDC and to instead use a different system called teletracking, which was run by a private contractor, or to report directly to their state health departments. But either way, this information would, going forward, bypass the CDC and get routed directly to Health and Human Services. And that prompted, you know, a a big public outcry. You know, health experts were worried that it was part of a trend in politicization of science that they were seeing. And, you know, there was a lot of attention paid to that. Taking this task away from the CDC, our nation's preeminent public health agency, I'm, I'm sure, stirred some waves. Absolutely. And I think the most puzzling thing about it was that the system wasn't necessarily broke, you know, like it was kind of those questions of like, if it if it ain't broke, why fix it, you know, and HHS's position on it, you know, at least what they said was that the CDC system was old, and it wasn't as agile, it wasn't able to add new fields as quickly as they wanted to. And it also wasn't getting every single hospital to report. And so, They said that by taking it over themselves, they were going to be able to get more complete data and also um, more hospitals to report into it. But, you know, in that switch, like there were problems that pretty much happened right away. And people in the field were saying that these were things that you could see coming from a mile away. You know, it was three things. You know, first of all, it was a big change for hospitals to figure out. Um, You know, they were in the middle of a pandemic and all of a sudden they had to figure out how to, you know, use this new portal. They had to answer a bunch of new questions It also created a a data consistency problem because they started collecting different data in a different way. So, you know, all of a sudden when the switch happened in July, you're getting new data that you can't really compare to what you were getting before. And then also they basically cut people who had a lot of experience and connections in, in sort of dealing with hospital data out of the picture. So, you know, people at CDC had decades of experience with this data and these relationships with hospitals, and suddenly they were not in charge of this data anymore. And so they were concerned that, you know, it, it was no longer in the hands of experienced people. I want to dig into that a little bit more. I mean, did you talk to hospital officials about kind of switching horses midstream in this data reporting process? I, I just can only imagine that that's like one extra burden they didn't need. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was really hard for hospitals around the country. You know, I think it was 
kind of a big shock for them. They were only given 10 days to sort of figure out this change. It was in July, you know, the pandemic was in full swing by then. And they didn't feel like they were given great guidance on how to deal with putting that information in or how to acquire a lot of the data that was being asked. You know, one of the questions that they were being asked initially, and I mean, it's it's changed since then. You know, I think HHS has sort of gotten some feedback and changed some of the questions and changed the requirements a little bit. But initially, they were being asked to report the number of single gloves that they had in a hospital every single day. And they're like, we don't even know how to collect that information. Like, we don't know how to find it out. And like, you want the exact number. Like, it was a lot. Various hospital associations have also told us that it's not clear what the information is being used for. There's a lot of effort going into collecting this information. And many hospitals have not been able to access the data that they input. It's not clear to them what they're getting out of submitting all this information on a daily basis. And so I think that's been kind of part of the problem as well. They're putting in a lot of effort and they're not sure specifically what they're getting back from it. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead speaking today with Peng Huang, a reporter for NPR. We're talking about the federal government and how they've changed how they collect coronavirus data from hospitals over the course of the pandemic. And we've established HHS came in over the summer, set up this new system. I mean, how did it work on the federal government side? Were they actually getting the data that they were looking for from hospitals? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in some ways they have gotten more hospitals to report to the system, but they're still having issues with it, you know, and, and basically, you know, it's been a couple of months since then. And, and it feels like what they've been trying to do is fix the problems they created with the switch. And, you know, while some things have improved, the problems haven't been fully resolved. I mean, there are more hospitals that are reporting into the system, but most of them are not reporting fully, you know, which means they're not answering every question every day. And there's also still issues with the quality of the data. Here at NPR, we've seen some internal reports from HHS that put heavy caveats on the data saying, this is just what's been reported to us. We can't vie for whether it's right or wrong. Another big issue that researchers have raised is the inconsistent public sharing of information. So there's information that HHS posts publicly to their healthdata.gov website that gets updated almost every day. It contains state-level information on hospitals, but there's a lot of gaps in that information. And they're also releasing estimates that sort of try to interpret that information on a national level um, once a week, which is less than the three times a week that the CDC was generating and posting this information as well. And groups that rely on this information um, have found glitches with it. You know, in the past, numbers that have been posted have been improbable. And as recently as last month, the information was, you know, not updated for a couple weeks. So there are still ongoing issues with the information in the data that's being collected. I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the ways that the federal government is... Um, We'll say encouraging hospitals to give them this data. Um, you and colleagues at NPR obtained documents not too long ago showing that the federal government was going to put more pressure on hospitals to submit this data by futzing with how they get paid. This is something HHS has come out later and, and said very publicly. Tell me about that. I don't know if encouraging is the right word for this. You know, they've they've really tried to force them to provide this information daily. So back in September, they published a rule saying hospitals have to fully report that COVID hospital data, or they could lose their Medicare and Medicaid funding. And that's a, a huge chunk of, of money for many hospitals. And 
in October, they said that they were going to start enforcing it. So they set out warning letters to hospitals that aren't compliant. And those hospitals, based on a, a timeline that it was issued by HHS, could lose their funding as early as January. So they're basically telling hospitals they have to report this information every day. And if you don't, you could lose a lot of your funding and that's one way to incentivize. I mean, it's it's a requirement, you know, it's one way to incentivize hospitals to, to report this information. But public health experts that I've spoken with are worried about the motivation that it creates. They say that they're not sure that this is really going to result in the accurate, comprehensive data that HHS wants, because a lot of hospitals are already very busy, you know, and right now, in this moment, we're seeing a lot of them getting overwhelmed. And when you hold that threat of taking away a big chunk of their funding, you know, people who work in health data say that you could actually just incentivize hospitals to put in a number, any number, just to do it and make sure that they don't lose their funding. So you're incentiv you're potentially incentivizing hospitals to report erroneous information, which could be a bigger problem to fix than if you were, you know, just trying to go back and get incomplete information. What is HHS doing with this data that they're getting from hospitals, and is it being appropriately disseminated to the public? HHS collects all this data on a hospital level on a daily basis, and what they share publicly is information on a state level. And, you know, many public health researchers that we've talked to say that that's useful in some respects, but it's not really as useful as being able to see what's happening on a local level. And so access to that information really varies state by state. Some states are, are good at sort of providing that information and sharing it with the public. Other states don't really share it with the public. And so what you have is sort of this patchwork of varying levels of information that's available. And, you know, what we've seen based on some internal documents that we've gotten from HHS that, you know, HHS is actually taking this data, they're analyzing it daily, they're producing reports that show trends that are happening at a county, at a metro level, and that's information that would be really useful for the public to see and know, but it's not information that's being shared right now. I think someone might think, oh, well, if I wanted to know, a reporter wanted to know, you know, how many COVID patients a hospital is, currently has, that that would be easy to do. Oh, you just call up the hospital and they will tell you that number. My experience has been that hospitals are loath to share that data with the public. I'm sure that's been yours as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not information that hospitals generally share with the public. And, you know, I've, I've heard various reasons behind it. You know, some people have mentioned that there might be some competition involved between hospitals and in terms of who's got more utilization than other hospitals. But really, that is information that's very difficult to find out on a public level for journalists, for public health researchers. And it's also very useful information because, you know, people I've spoken with have said, if the public knew that in their own community, a hospital was getting overwhelmed, that it would be really hard to get an ICU bed if they got sick, like that could incentivize changes to people's behavior. You know, it might do things like make them feel more responsible for adhering to wearing masks outside, or it might make them feel like, you know, more cautious about gathering for Thanksgiving and and sort of really understanding the truth of what's happening on a local level is important information. But as you said, you know, it's very hard to find out right now based on the sharing of the information or the lack thereof. Hospitals, as much as they do help people and improve people's lives, have a bottom line to think about. 
they are businesses. Is there a way of thinking about this that hospitals need to be able to be accountable to the federal government in the midst of a pandemic more so than they are any other time when it comes to letting the federal government know what they're dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point, you know. And when I think about this, you know, situation, I see it kind of as this clash between two schools of thought around data. I think that epidemiologists and, you know, the approach that the CDC was taking before was that they really want to be streamlined about the data that they collect. And, you know, they're often working with people who are in emergency situations and they have specific questions they want answered and they want to make sure that the information that they're getting is accurate, is being collected in service of a clear question and and is being used to answer that question. And, you know, on the other hand, you know, I think of the HHS approach as more of a big data approach. You know, people are saying we really need to get all the information that we can so that we can paint a picture of what's happening in the world through data. And, you know, having all the data, even if it's not clear what specific question each data point is answering, allows you to pull patterns out of it that you weren't really necessarily looking for. So, you know, I think these are two approaches to data that I see. And these perspectives clash, especially during a health emergency. You know, CDC's approach was to ask for specific information and make estimates off of it. HHS's big data approach is to ask for a lot of data and and just kind of see what it tells you. So I think these are both valid perspectives. But in terms of, you know, what hospitals can reasonably provide and, you know, what they can sort of get done while at the same time serving their primary mission of really sort of focusing on saving people's lives, I think that's sort of where some of the central clash is, you know, like, yes, like hospitals do need to be providing information that helps the public and the the government keep tabs on what's happening. But like, how much information should they provide? And and how should we support them in providing this information, um, I think is sort of the, the heart of the question. I have had so many conversations with people just about how unclear our picture of the pandemic has been from the start, whether that's testing, whether that's making sure that data is reported frequently enough and correctly enough and shared with the public in a way where they have a clear sense of like what is actually happening. What's your sense of kind of how this issue ties in with all that? Because it just seems to me that here in the U.S., we still have such a fuzzy picture of the pandemic in so many ways and still so many problems with the very basic issue of putting it to numbers. Yeah, we really do have a problem with getting a clear picture of what's happening. And, you know, I I think some of it goes back to the way that this pandemic has been handled by the Trump administration and and the, the sense that, like, they've been consistently working to politicize uh, public health advice. And so I think it's been hard for people to find a clear source of trusted information that you feel like is the authority on what's happening around the country. And, you know, data is supposed to be numbers that are indisputable and tell you what's happening. And, you know, it's been difficult to piece together this triangulation of information on cases and hospitalizations and deaths, partly because that information is just difficult to collect, partly because it comes from hospitals, from laboratories, from, you know, a bunch of different places around the country that all have to sort of report it up. But also, you know, partly because, 
you know, the CDC has largely been sidelined in this pandemic and, you know, hasn't really been, you know, able to perform the role that they traditionally step up to do in a public health emergency. So I think, you know, it's been hard to find a single clear authority on this information. And, you know, I I think that's been detrimental to the public in terms of understanding what's happening. I mean, I will say that, you know, a lot of states and local health authorities have, have really stepped up into that void and have worked really hard to provide information to people that, you know, helps inform them and and helps them get a clear picture of what's happening in their community. But it, it really is kind of stepping into a vacuum that's been left um, in a lot of ways. Ping Huang is a health reporter for NPR. Did you wash your hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.